I, I guess this would be like a little warning, like don't try this at home, but it didn't totally occur to us, um, you know, trying to tell this story in medias res, how uh, dangerous it could possibly be. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings, drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. In today's episode, I interview two people about making an independent film. We'll talk with writer-director Egg Gonzalez and writer-lead actor Mike Delaney of the upcoming film Midius Res. We're going to learn about the ins and outs of filmmaking, what it takes to make a feature-length film, including the costs and the gear that you would need, and what lessons they've learned from embarking on this journey. Perhaps most importantly of which is to not wave around an AK-47 on set in Oakland. As a side note, uh, this movie, from everything that I've seen and read about it, looks like it's going to be absolutely awesome when it comes out. So if you like the interview, definitely uh, head over to their Facebook page or check them out on IMDb so you can follow when the movie finally comes out and you can watch it for yourself. Without further ado, here is Independent Filmmaker. Mike, Ed, thanks so much for being here. All right. Hey, how you doing, Blake? I am doing great. How are you guys? Doing well. So why don't you guys start us out with telling us a little bit about your personal history, introducing us to yourself, and kind of what brought you to be the person that wanted to make a movie. Right. Okay, so I'll start off. Uh, I started just making movies just in like middle school just for fun. And uh, during high school, I was like really into video editing and just making movies with friends still. And that's when I went met Mike. And we just started collaborating at that point, and it's just been ongoing from there. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like the brief, so to speak, in a nutshell. Yeah, and for me, I think it was uh, being a latchkey kid in the 80s, you know, having to uh, be by myself every day after school for a certain number of hours, and uh, really just going through those TV channels, those UHF channels, having that VCR, um, finding stuff that I loved, cataloging it, categorizing it, just being able to revisit these movies time after time. and Yeah, a latchkey kid before the days of the internet, I mean, you needed to use your imagination to keep yourself occupied. Yeah, you absolutely. Yeah I, was, yeah, I was coming home every day. I was probably recording three or four movies a day. I would just label them, and I wouldn't ever want to tape over them yeah. either. Yeah. I'd always have to be spending my allowance money on blank VHS. That movies. must have been a lot of dough that you were spending. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then yeah. we got into, yeah, it was the same one in that sense, and then we really got into DVDs and all that type of stuff, so we kind of kind of like started kind of bonding over our collection of just like movies we had so much man it was like a mini sun coast that we yeah. had in our rooms at that yeah. point yeah and it, it is in high school where you know him and i are like oh we gotta we gotta figure out how to do this shit like because yeah. we would we would riff a lot together um we would come up with screenplay ideas or story ideas uh that we thought was funny and that we thought was entertaining um and we kind of like comedically just run it by people like right. oh you think about the um Remember that movie Grindhouse? Yeah. And they had those fake trailers mm-hmm. where they're like these really blown out of proportion versions of genre, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. things that are happening there. We would always come up with ideas like yeah. that. And then we, we just had to figure out a way to, to show it instead of just telling. And also we were kind of like not into traditional movies that kind of like kids our age were into. We were like really into like Francois Truffaut and all that stuff. <laughs> and like in high school, nobody's going to be into kind of like. Yeah. Jokes. So you're cracking jokes that everyone's just yeah, like, what the hell are you like, talking did about? Did you check out that, you know, old Akira Kurosawa movie that he did in 70? You know, and just like 
kids are just like, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, all right, Mike gets it. You know, nobody else. All right, man. So we're going to do something with him. Then. That's good. You found each other then. That's we awesome. Did. We found yeah, each other. We came together. <laughs> That's good. Uh, what, I guess you guys are now quite a bit removed from high school. What, what happened after high school then? What, what happens between the time that in high school, you guys are thinking, okay, let's make movies. Um, what have you been doing since then? Wow. Um, for me, uh, when I went to college, I went to college, um, as an art major, I have a BFA in photography and art history. Um, but part of the, uh, requirement of the program was I had to do, um, some theater programs. So being exposed a little bit to theater in college, I ended up, uh, long story short, becoming an actor in the Bay area theater circle. And I, I don't know, artistically, I was happy doing that for so long wallet and I yeah. um, pursued projects on the side yeah, and I just after school like I just went into doing multimedia I started kind of like it started with videography but then just went into other aspects like web design and uh, doing motion graphics and all that stuff and uh, I met up with Mike a little bit later on and we that's when we started discussing actually doing a proper kind of project we've all you know before we did short films but we never did anything that was kind of like something feature length yeah for that sure was kind of like the big kind of turning point at that point it felt mike has done a lot of acting in theater i've done a lot in all aspects of kind of like film and it was like kind of like it just felt like the right moment to kind of like do something really ambitious so to speak yeah being able yeah. to pool all the resources that we yeah kind of collected. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. By that point we've kind of, you know, one of the cool things about kind of when we started making, we had a lot of connections to kind of whether it be Bay area actors or, you know, people with equipment and resources and all that stuff. So we didn't really, we were kind of like at a good point where we could kind of like take off without kind of spending years, you know, trying to locate finances and resources and all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. So basically over the years, you guys got experience, you got yourself educated, Absolutely, you yeah, guys got yeah. connections and it sounds like in kind of two different venues, Mike, you more on the front of the camera side and Ed, yeah, you more behind, behind the camera. Right. Yeah. All yeah. behind. Yeah, absolutely. So that's perfect. Yeah. So it, I assume when you guys were making short films, those were probably quite a bit easier filming wise. Did you guys have to do as much um, like editing and correction and stuff like that after filming a short film or is kind of like, who cares? We're just trying to make a quick short film. Like in high school, it was like that. We were just doing it for fun. And then once we were kind of, you know, in college and all that stuff, it got a little bit more serious. And at this point right now, it's very, you know, we just treat it like we're doing a professional, you know, no different than if we were doing something, you know, for work or anything like that. So kind of like our mindset kind of slowly evolved into kind of like the professional mindset. Making a more and more professional Absolutely, short yeah. film. So it, it was there a particular short film that you made that after, after seeing the final production, you were like, okay, I think we can go ahead and make a full length movie. Well, yeah. I want to take it back uh, just ahead. one step further. Cause I think yeah. Ed was being a little bit humble in, uh, in his answer. Cause even when we were making short films in high school, we were still like, wildly ambitious yeah. about like the story that we were going to tell or how we were going to tell it. Um, to the point where we got into stop motion animation and, uh, we would come up with some pretty subversive, uh, story ideas. Yeah. We didn't, we try to do a Vietnam movie in my backyard. We, we, we did. We did a <laughs> Vietnam yeah, no, movie. No, but it was like a very serious yeah. movie. It was like, you know, it, it was like born on the 4th of July. It wasn't kind of like mm -hmm. a war. Yeah. So we, do you remember what it was called? Get behind me and stay there. Get behind me and stay yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we did this uh, pretty ambitious animated project that we submitted to local film festivals, and we got accepted in. And I remember being, we were probably like 16, 17. Remember, yeah. We go to the screening of our film because we thought it was like 
a big fucking deal, you know, like our films in a film festival. Yeah. And all the other ones have, um, audio playing and they have like headphones where you can listen to the, uh, to the audio from the, from the piece. And we, we see our screening and we didn't have any audio. We didn't have any headphones or anything. And, uh, they, they found the screenplay to be offensive. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't want it. Yeah, yeah. played for the the soccer. I, I remember. The, oh God. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. That's dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. But this so, was still when you were in high school, though. Yeah, exactly. Incredible. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It, we were not age appropriate back then. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I still remember that. But that was yeah. It was still like we were pretty ambitious with kind of like the limited resources we had. And yeah. Kind of. It's kind of like a theme that's kind of been continuing with all the work that we've been doing. But yeah. to bring it up. To speed to your uh, yeah. question about sh- like recent shorts yeah. that we've done, um, yeah. Before we really jumped in uh, headfirst on the feature, uh, we we did a series of music videos for a uh, few local actors. We yeah. did um, we did a play over at Impact Theater that was half movie, half play. Mm-hmm. Where that we was, took yeah, that was one of the big kind of turning points. It's uh, if you can go in a little bit more, it was like a hybrid kind of movie theater piece. And mm-hmm. I think you saw one of them. Yeah, too. I yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it was Grindhouse, basically, like the big one. Yeah, it was, and also the Sadus as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Where we remade two um, films from the '60s: a teenage caveman picture called Ega and a uh, a kind of psycho killer picture called The Sadist. We did it almost shot for shot when we could. Yeah. Um, we did half of it on stage, half of it um, filmed. Yeah, we and had a light. We just had a projector there and just a screen, and uh, we had it built in, kind of like on the set. And that's such an interesting, ambitious idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I was surprised. Like, it was also kind of considered in the theater world, kind of taboo to kind of mix those two kind of mediums together. So, right. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was taboo, is what we were being told. And then um, we were a little itty bitty production. We did it independently uh, through Impact. And then we actually ended up being nominated for like a big uh, theater Bay Area award for best video design yeah. of the year. That's so cool. that was pretty cool. Yeah. So let's bring it back to Medias Res. Which is that how you pronounce that? Medias Res. Medias Res. Medias Res. Medias. Okay. Medias Res. So, and I looked that up online today. Uh-huh. That means in the middle. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So first of all, as soon as I read that that's what the definition was, it made me infinitely more excited to see this movie because yeah. all of the best movies start in the middle, which I assume your movie starts in the middle. Otherwise, yes. yeah. Okay. yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, yeah, to your point, exactly. Um, it's a term used in cinema. It's Latin, but it's a term that's used in cinema, uh, particularly in uh, film noir, to describe a plot that's already been set in motion. Yeah. yeah. Um, like when you, yeah, when viewers just, you know, when they watch the movie, like the movie, the story is already going. Yeah. It's starting kind of like in the midst of kind of so like, you know. The biggest the example would be the first Star Wars film. Yeah. Where you don't know why they're fighting. You just know that this really bad guy wants this thing and. It, we're in the middle of things already. Yeah, yeah. kind of, you know, the audience is right. just kind of thrust in the midst right. of the kind of and like the conflict that's going on. I don't know that there has ever been a bad movie that uses that. It, it's just a <laughs> surefire way to make a, a movie. Example, I'm like a bad movie? No, yeah. man. Yeah, don't we don't know. need yeah, to. Yeah, and yeah, you guys are going to be added to the great sure. list of movies. Thanks. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Thank you very much, buddy. So. All right, you guys decide. All right, we're going to start writing a movie. How long ago is this that you start the writing? I imagine that's about two years ago. Step one, right? Actually, you have to yeah, write. absolutely. Like the thing is, after we did these kind of like short feeder pieces for Impact, one of the things that we were just kind of like, look, we did so much with so little, we can kind of take it a step further. 
because each little like you know we started off with the sadist for impact and then mm-hmm. it was a uh, grindhouse each one was more ambitious than the next and that kind of gave us kind of like the confidence to do something that's much bigger mm-hmm. so and then we just started writing two years ago and just kind of you know we made a list of all the resources that we had and then we had available and we just kind of you know put it in with the script and kind of figure it out from there that's really interesting so you guys had to take like an honest look much, at yeah, what, what you guys had around you and yeah, what would absolutely. be a possible script to write rather than just writing yeah. blowing up the death star and being like oh shit yeah, right. get what, what i see all the time with like young uh young filmmakers or kids that are going to film school is they have these wildly ambitious ideas yeah. which is great you should you should be wildly ambitious with the story that you want to tell but you should also be extremely realistic with the resources that you have and the ability right. to put that story out there for people. Yeah. So yeah, we, we knew we had a couple big elements uh, going into the production. We knew that Ed was going to direct. We knew that we were going to write it together. We knew that we would write a main part for me. And th- yeah. I guess the other big thing was we knew that we were going to write a part for Sarah Quakendall, who's our third partner. In this. Yeah. And also Joseph Mason and uh, Reggie White and all yeah. those. Act- they're well-known actors kind of like in the Bay area and all that. So, and we knew they would be kind of like, you know, on, they would be, they knew kind of like what, yeah, our take would be on it. A lot of actors, they would be kind of like, you're doing this in such an unorthodox way. This isn't kind of like a proper production that's being filmed in a month or two and all that stuff. This is going to be filmed, you know, like we told them from the get-go that it's going to be unusual in the sense that we're filming for a prolonged period of time and we're going to be doing the editing during, you know, our filming, which is not the way you do it. You usually just film, you know, and then you do the edit and all that stuff. So it was very unorthodox, but they were totally down to kind of go on with this you know, because I, and we also work with them on the sadists as well. So they were kind of used to kind of like, all right, these guys do things a little bit differently in a sense than other people. So did you guys need to get funding for this? Was this the first time you guys ever needed to get funding for we something? We got funding, so? but originally it was just the point. What happens with a lot of indie films, kind of like the thing is they'll write the script and they'll look for funding and years pass. And at first we we're just like, you know, once we finish the script, we just want to get going you know, we'll start kind of making things and then, you know, we'll start showing people and that will hopefully, you know, once they see the footage that we've done for so little, it'll get interest and people will be interested in funding. Mm -hmm. So we immediately, so we, instead of kind of waiting for funding, we just started doing it. Yeah. We knew how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, We're like extremely confident. In a sense, you're making a commercial at that point. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, that's the stuff that we showed online and all that stuff when we did our Kickstarter was just scenes that we shot with no money whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, we responded to that. If you just took our slightly off-kilter, weird, funny, thrilling, noir script and gave it to someone to read and be like, hey, can we have a couple grand for this? Then, you know, they'd have some opinions about the writing or they'd have some opinions about the casting or they'd yeah, have some opinions totally. about, oh, it shouldn't take place in Oakland. We know some people in San Francisco. Like, there's too many opinions, so we just yeah, knew. We don't want, and that's <laughs> a, like do a thing that we talked about. We don't yeah. want anybody to kind of meddle with because the thing is sometimes a lot of times that happens when people are investing money you know they think they have more of a right to say of course you know and the more money the more right that they have they feel they have the right to kind of you know tell you how to go and how to do things and you know what's the proper way of doing things and we would know that uh we were doing things so differently that we would kind of come into conflict if we just from the get-go started just waited for somebody to kind of bring in those big checks yeah so obviously you guys are working pro bono what about all these other actors and stuff is everyone just friends so everyone's working for free okay yeah they just you know they kind of they dug the script they dug the idea and people want the experience and just to do something fun 
Yeah. Absolutely. Don't tell anybody, but we haven't paid anybody. <laughs> we, we, Don't tell I, yeah. California Labor Department, the, but right. nobody's the getting only, paid. The anything. only things we're paying for are things being held on screen. Yeah. You Don't know? tell Screen Actors Guild. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Breaking union laws. So oh if you guys God. are using your own equipment, how? Yeah. What is the actual? cost that somebody like let's say there's a young filmmaker listening to this right now that was thinking about making something kind of full length themselves they already have a camera they already have a computer they already have friends that would act is it basically free other than buying people food or what are costs that you need to that's yeah exactly i mean we decided or i since i was doing i'm doing the cinematography and the editing as well to go with the simplest kit possible you know because it was just you can do so much with so little these days. Yeah. There's no point where we'd just kind of be like, oh, we need, you know, a $30,000 camera and camera operators and stuff like that. No, we could do something that would look really nice for the audience and it would kind of serve the story. So, Do you already have other filming equipment? Like, I imagine there's different types of Steadicam equipment absolutely. and stuff. Absolutely. To... Like, the thing is, we go with the most basic stuff possible because that makes us, you know, one thing that we talked about is we're going to be, you know, since we're doing, it's a pretty ambitious scope that we have. So we decided one of the things is to keep it as simple as possible so that we're as mobile and just kind of, you know, free to kind of go in any direction that we need to go. And I mean, we need to. Yeah, because, yeah, one of the things is when we're filming, we're not, like, doing it properly, like getting filming permits and all that stuff. So we kind of do it very much guerrilla style. It's so funny that (laughs) I just did another interview this morning, and that seems to be a theme of people that I interview on this show that are trying to start their own business and starting from the ground is – Everyone is working on the line of legality or in the realm of the realm of illegal in order to do what they're doing because you just don't have enough money and funding to do everything the right way. (laughs) I guess this would be like a little warning, like don't try this at home, but it didn't totally occur to us, um, you know, trying to tell this story in medias res, how uh, dangerous it could possibly be. You know, we, it, it is kind of a gangster story because it, yeah. it, it's a film noir. So there's dangerous people and dangerous people carry dangerous things to do uh, harm to others. So we'll be out filming in, uh, you know, like Oakland at Lake Merritt or something. One of our props will be an AK-47, <laughs> a prop AK-47. Yeah. And then the cops will pull up. Oh, dang. And then yeah. and then we, you know, have a protocol that we kind of just came up with on our own. You know, the thing that we tell. Yeah. Authorities also, when they show up, and 100%. which is what? Let's go ahead and use that as advice for other filmmakers. <laughs> just, what is you what is your AK, line? Yeah. Yeah, if you have an AK, just you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, keep it under wraps. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, and also we had like, a, should I tell the story about? Oakland? I remember like the first time we shot in Oakland. Actually, we were just so naive, and you know, we went around. It was me behind uh, in, in the car, and I was filming you guys. And that's when you took that right turn in that corner, and mm-hmm. it was like we were in the set of Training Day. You remember oh, that? And we yeah. thought we might get shot because, yeah. like, these guys were looking at us. We had, like, you know, we looked super suspicious. We had our camera in the back of the car. It looked like we were kind of surveilling them and all that stuff. And, like... Yeah, Whoa. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. not good at all. That was, yeah, yeah like, the, uh, that was kind of, like, the first... One of our first kind of shoots. But Kick-ass was, like, footage, man. Yeah, but it was amazing. Free footage. extras. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we got free extras. Like, extras. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, in this, in this film, um, to go back to your question about the rigs and the equipment, there's, um, there's a lot of driving in the picture. Picture. And it's it's not uh, like stunt driving, like Fast and Furious. It's more like atmospheric driving, like Drive, that yeah. Ryan Gosling film. So we have a, a mount that we had to make that um, mounts to the car so uh, it could get a shot of my partner and I talking, you know, doing the dialogue or the scene or whatever, while we're actually piloting the vehicle. Yeah. So we don't have that bad green screen, you know, that yeah. you have a lot in driving uh, pictures where you have to 
key in Oakland in the background. We're right. actually like doing the driving yeah. while we're uh, and, all like, and all the stuff that we have is actually really simple equipment. So it's stuff that fits in the trunk of my car. And that's a kind of conscious decision that we made from the get-go that since we don't have a lot of personnel to help out, we have to keep it as simple as possible. So if someone's going to watch your film and be wondering if they themselves can make a film like that outside of the artistic genius yeah. that they cannot just inherit from watching the film, what... It, it, you obviously from a previous life had a ton of this equipment already. Um, what if somebody did not have any of the equipment that you're using right now from the camera to everything would someone be looking at spending to make the quality of film that you guys are making? I would say kind of like we're using kind of like a prosumer stuff. So we're not using anything that's, you know, professional, so to speak, even though we're getting kind of like really good results. So to answer your questions about uh, maybe five grand. Okay. Yeah. Man, that's not bad at all. Not no, bad at no, all. No, no. And yeah. that's, yeah. And you can do, and still, you don't need the stuff that we're doing. There's various levels. You can do, you, you can even go cheaper if yeah. you wanted to do something and you can get really amazing results. At that point right there, it's just your skill. Yeah. That comes into play. Yeah. You don't, so you don't, you, you can get a camera from Best Buy for 500 bucks, you know, edit it on your laptop. You can do a lot of amazing stuff. So you don't need that much to kind of get to. Yeah, I mean, they have entire films now that are being shot on, on iPhones, iPhones. Yeah. and then they're just doing the professional audio mix along. And, I mean, you can't tell. You drive to uh, Emeryville, the billboards for Apple will say shot on an iPhone stick. Yeah, totally. You it's know? funny. The photos that I will take for this show that I'll put up on my website and on social media and stuff, about half the time when they're around my house, I'll have my camera with me, so I'll take them with my camera. And then the rest of the time, I'll just think of a photo that will be a good idea, and I'll just shoot it with my iPhone. And there is no difference no. between those two photos anymore, yeah. you know? At this point right now, it's just your eye. Yeah. You know, it's your kind of, like, creative skills that kind of, like, come into play much more so than the equipment. For sure. Yeah, yeah when, we, when we were kids, it was... Uh, it was really kind of discouraging and, it and was, fucked I up mean, to try to become back a Back in the day, you know, to have a professional film, you would need to shoot it in 35 and 16 millimeter. And even to do something kind of like Clerks, I don't know, are you familiar with Clerks? Yeah, yeah of course. Black and white movie. Yeah. yeah, that was like 30 grand to just make. And, and they weren't doing anything ambitious at all. They were just filming at a convenience store. So it was a lot of people were just kind of excluded because they just didn't have the funds or the equipment. Yeah. Now it's completely not the case. I mean, just go to Best Buy, get like, you know, camera for 500 bucks. And like I said, a laptop and you can do just a lot of amazing things. Yeah. So I'd like to get a different answer from each of you on this question, if I could. And that is since you guys from starting to write two years ago to right now and where you guys are at in production, what is the biggest thing that you learned? Uh, One of the biggest things that I learned is that if you ask, a lot of people are down to do what you want them to do so to speak, whether it be, you know, giving you a location for free, you know, staying, you know, another night to film for no pay. If you ask kind of like, and be like straight up, people are really, really keen on kind of like trying to help you out. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. We have a hundred percent success rate with that. Yeah. yeah. And, and like I said, it's not just actors. It's just been so many locations that we've just been using because we're filming all around the Bay and we filmed up in Cavalieras County, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. It just, yeah. People are just really, really just kind of, yeah, just, you know, just straight up asking them and letting them know we're, what we're doing and all that stuff. People are just really, they're down to help out. Yeah, it's nice to be in positions in your life sometimes when you need help from people because yeah. it's very eye-opening to how much help people are willing to give. You know, yeah, it's absolutely. awesome. Absolutely. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I'm, I think uh, my answer partially comes from a, a place of privilege and I have to be conscious of that. And then it partially comes from 
uh, Nike and uh, Shia LaBeouf meme, but just do it. Yeah. You know, uh, if you if you have what I learned is if you have an idea and you want to achieve it, you you're just gonna have to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it 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 is. It's like that Wayne Gretzky quote or that Michael Jordan quote about how many games they failed or how many shots they didn't. Take. But that's a hundred percent the truth. Yeah, you know, that's for what sure. I learned about making a feature film is if you are gonna do it, then you need to just do it. Yeah, definitely. It's so interesting how. Every, every day longer that you don't do something that you're thinking about is, is kind of you mentally get further away from being right. able to it do that harder. because it's, you doubt yeah. yourself more and right. more, you know? And there's always a good reason not to do something. Yep. I remember when uh, we, we started talking about having kids. Not Ed and I. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, when my wife and I were talking about having kids, we, we knew we, we got to a certain point where it just felt like we're going to just do this now. And uh, other people that want to be parents, we would always hear them say, it's, oh, it's not the right time, or we're going to wait until this. If, if you feel it, you should just do it. Yeah. There's always a reason yeah. not to and do it. And also, there's never going to be a perfect time. There's right. always going to be some type of obstacle, something, you right. know, time, conflict, something like that. There's never going to be a time where it's just, it's perfect, you know. And that's one of the things that we kind of decided just once we finish the script. It's just like, you know, once we're done, we start. Right away. We're not going to be waiting, you know, two or three years because we've seen the pattern so much of just people waiting for those kind of big checks and financing and resources to come. And they, instead of making the project, they just wait. So we don't want to do that. Yeah, definitely. That, yeah, that uh, really resonates with me. I quit my job to do this, uh, do this show and I waited for over a year to quit my job because, well, my whole idea was when things get a little bit easier at my job or when the load kind of lightens at work, that's when I'll really get time to start working on the podcast. And I waited over a year for that day to come and it never came. So at a certain point, it's just like, you just need to do it anyway. But you did it too, at least, you know, a lot of people, they just keep on waiting. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Um, all right. So talk to us a little bit about, uh, once this all finishes, what is the plan for distribution, getting yeah. viewership? How the hell do you get an independent movie out there? I mean, like still kind of like the classic way to do it is just going through the festival routes. And that's a good area to get exposure, especially if you don't have kind of like, you know, stars or actors and all that right. stuff. There's a lot of people, you know, in the film festivals and in the indie f- film festivals, there are a lot of people that'll champion movies that are good. And I'll kind of push them. And, and how do you even get into a film festival? I imagine that yeah. there's more more people making movies than there are spots available oh, at a good yeah. film yeah, festival. Absolutely. It's just like getting into college at that point right there. It's just like, does it meet the criteria of the festival? You know, is it something they deem worth showing at the right. festival of quality that's high enough, you know, that'll entertain the, you know, an audience and all that stuff. So yeah, there is that sense, you know, if, when you're submitting, there's going to be a lot of competition in that sense. So you submit and somebody will watch your submission yeah. that works for the festival and oh, yeah. decide whether or not it's good enough to oh, yeah, they have, their festival. They have people on staff. Yeah, they have festival just... screen and it's the same protocol from Cannes Film Festival to Sundance wow. and all that stuff. Yeah. Somebody watches all those movies and they say, yeah or nay. Man. But going those people it. must have to watch some terrible they movies. Do, like, no, that's what an interesting job. Yeah, yeah. I think like uh, I, I read something about Sundance Film Festival. They watch maybe about four thousand movies for how many spots they have? Twenty spots yeah. or something. Oh my yeah, gosh. Very small amount of spots. You yeah, know, you know. So, but you also have to research too and find out yeah. what festival 
you know, fits yeah. your picture. Your yeah. yeah. Since we're doing like a crime genre movie, kind of like doing it at kind of like, I don't know, like an Asian film festival is probably not going to jive. Too <laughs> right. Much, yeah. Know, yeah. Asian totally. kind of cultural, right. because there's a lot of festivals that are just about cultural heritage and then also festivals that are more into genre films and all that stuff. So it's just kind of pinpointing which festivals are, would be more. Is right for your audience. Is that, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But an obvious submission would be for us would be like the Oakland International Film Festival. Yeah, since we're filming so much in Oakland, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So. And uh, I mean, it is a pretty positive representation of the city and the people. Too. I think so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Aside from the stuff with the AK forty-seven, yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's all good after that. And also going on Ed's uh, heels here with his. Uh, college application metaphor there's it, it also depends a lot too of the extracurriculars that you have around the project yeah. like how much have you been talking about it with uh, other people in the yeah. industry or people that would like this sort of project that you're making so we knew early yeah. on that we were going to put as much out there you know without spoiling too much but we would put as much out there as we could to show people what we're actually doing with the photography or the story yeah. or the equipment that we have and i think that was a, a big yeah. reason why we So one of the things successful. Mike does, he's really proactive since the get-go of, uh, you know, posting pictures, you know, posting stuff that we've done on his Twitter and just, you know, using kind of like the regular social media tools like Facebook and all that yeah. stuff. And, That's so smart. And I think yeah. that should be a big lesson to people is to not wait until you have a finished product to start no, right. kind we, of we start, pushing on social media. We started doing that right when we started writing. I mean, so it was immediate. You know, we would actually even like he, Mike would even like tweet like you know stills of like the script that we're writing of like the page that we're writing and all that stuff. So we got people interested just mm-hmm. from the very early start. And yeah. So it's kind of cool because in a sense you have you build an audience and they're there with you throughout the creation through the whole thing versus just kind of jumping on the bandwagon once it's kind of like fully completed. Yeah. 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 We've met some cool people online yeah, too we had, that have really yeah, helped yeah. us uh, kind of get the word out on the project, yeah. and then they ended up helping us a lot with uh, getting the word out on Splat House at Impact. Yeah. We even had people that Mike met through you know Twitter come and be in the movie as well. Wow. Oh, yeah, that it, yeah. that's a hundred percent correct. Yeah. That's interesting. They just they yeah. they saw what we were doing. They got they were really excited about it, and they just wanted to help out any way possible. They offered their services as crew, and you know we had you know. We just, you know, yeah. actually, yeah. We yeah, when we, people. yeah, when we met this guy, he was, uh, it was on Twitter. This is one of the actors that we had in one of our big scenes. Yeah, yeah we mm-hmm. met him uh, on Twitter at the time. I think he was living in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and then within that year, he ends up moving to San Francisco, and uh, he contacted us when he got here, and he's like, "I'm here. What can I do? Yeah. I'm an actor. I'm here." And then we're like shit yeah come come down we got yeah. something for you to work on that's so cool and what a yeah. win-win you yeah, know because yeah, this guy came all the way from atlanta so yeah you know good for him yeah so it was great in that sense yeah yeah you guys have any uh like interesting learning experiences where something kind of negative happened you're like oh shit i wish that we had known not to do that or we had known to do that before this all happened I would say just a simple stuff. I, I think, you know, when you're filming a movie, sometimes you're a little bit invisible, but just when you're, you have weapons in public or stuff like that, maybe yeah, not it doesn't even. matter if you have a camera or not, you know, the protocol from the police or everybody else, it's just going to be like, you know, hands up and don't do that. Right. So yeah, that's, I mean, simple, but yeah, it's, yeah, you still have to kind of keep that in consideration. So that's a big lesson for us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. Uh, one of the big things whenever something would come up that we couldn't uh, really control is just realizing that something's out of your control or out of 
you know, uh, your powers to be able to fix the way that you had originally envisioned it and then getting creative with the solution. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, when we've done that, we, uh, we've had great success. Yeah. Like, I we, think, yeah, it just, I think once you have kind of like those obstacles in hand, it brings up a lot of creativity. Yeah. We, yeah. we were trying to find this one set where we could have, um, like this big druggy, uh, shootout at, yeah. And we, we just couldn't find a good location. And then uh, with our back against the wall because of actor availability, Ed and I said, fuck it, we'll build the set. And uh, we just built this this drug den that we ended up having the shootout in. And, and we did it and, with Mike's it, house. And yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we tore apart Dang, that's yeah. crazy. the house. And, yeah. Yeah. Just do it, like you said. You just know? do it. Yeah, yeah. It was just... Fuck it, it we can't find the place. Exactly. Paint these walls. Like, put cigarettes everywhere. Yeah. yeah, and kind of like you know those restrictions actually I think kind of made it a lot better. Oh, it's much better versus yeah. you know if we had all this money to kind of rent out a place and all that stuff we would not have the scene I think is a lot more effective because we had such a kind of confined space and all that stuff and just point being like if we had a lot of money to kind of rent out a space it would not have been as effective as it right. Well, I mean growth in life in general only comes from obstacles, Absolutely, you know. Yeah. So I mean now if something like that were to happen to you again, it's like that's right. We can build something. And, yeah. you know, now next time you'll be more confident. You'll do it more quickly. Everything works out better, you know? Yeah. I think our, I think our mindset in that particular case too was skewed towards just finding the location because we'd gotten so lucky with so many great locations. Yeah. There's a big set piece that we needed a mansion for. And that was like, when we wrote the script, that was kind of like our death star. We're like, where the fuck are we going to get a mansion? And, uh, to Ed's point, even earlier on, we just asked someone that had a mansion and they just let us shoot there yeah, for a few days. Yeah. You mean question now? Is that, that like, is that through well, uh, through a friend of a friend, or is that like you yeah, just oh, rang the doorbell no, 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 at a mansion course, and said, man, "Can we shoot here?" Of course, through a friend of a friend. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cool. yeah, yeah. But it's still uh, it's still a mighty big question to ask. No doubt. Yeah, we take yeah. over your house for three days yeah. and uh, try not to break anything. Shoot a bunch of people. Yeah. 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 Because we had we had guns again. Right. Yeah. So we got <laughs> we got kind of high off uh, the mansion get, and we're like, we could get any location yeah, we, we want. Get a nice house, of right. course. I mean, or like a dilapidated house. Right. Everybody, there's many of them. And we couldn't get this like little derelict, rundown place. We, that's so a funny we, thing. We, we could get a mansion, but we couldn't get a dilapidated house. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird, man. Yeah. 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 That makes me think of, did you guys ever, back when you guys were little kids in school, was, I think that game was oh, Mash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just get mansion over, over and over yeah. again. You just can never live in the shack, yeah. you know? Yeah. All right. So why don't we finish out with, uh, and Mike, I'll let Ed go first. So you have time to think of something other than just do it because that was already great advice. But if you could just leave off one single yeah. piece of advice for a young person or actually any age that is thinking, yeah man, this might be something I want to try, or I already like making movies, but I don't know if I have enough confidence to really go for it. Mm-hmm. What would you say? I would say you need to go for it. I mean, in that sense, don't wait for the, you know, like I said, the big checks, you know, the proper equipment, so to speak, and all that stuff. You have so much that you can do with so little these days. So there's no kind of like real excuse to why not to start and why not go about. I mean, it's a simple kind of, you know, answer, but it's really one that's kind of like at the core of what we did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of to what, we were just saying about growing experiences and you guys building that thing in your house. I mean, even if your first movie's terrible, the number of lessons that you'll freaking learn absolutely. from making absolutely. a terrible movie in a, in a big, bad way. Absolutely. That's a huge lesson. You know, we've, you know, as kind of productions gone along is just the confidence level in dealing with all these obstacles just increases dramatically. Yeah. You know, so we're kind of like doing some of the most, uh, we've done some of those most difficult stuff. We still have a little bit more difficult stuff to kind of come in a little bit uh, later on in the filming, but it's, it's easy compared, you know, to kind of what we've learned and all that stuff with our kind of, you know, past lessons, so to speak. So, yeah. Yeah. So Mike, how about you? 
Uh, yeah, my advice, I'll make it specific for, for filmmaking, but it could also, I believe, be applied to anything. And it's, it starts with self-education. So, you know, I think about uh, when I first fell in love with movies, that's really where my education started. Like, thinking critically about why I like this movie or why I didn't enjoy this movie, right? And, uh, and really being able to, uh, to eloquently, like, explain what it is that connects me to a picture, okay? Mm-hmm. That's, that's where it starts. But then when you decide that you want to do that, you want to be a filmmaker or you want to be a podcaster, or you want to be a librarian, what, whatever, you want to be a fucking clown, who knows? What you need to do is go find someone who does that and does that well and just ask them everything. Yeah. When they're doing something, you ask them what they're doing. You ask them how they're doing it. You ask them why they're doing it. And uh, in my other job is, uh, as an educator, the, the biggest thing that I need to instill in the kids is getting them to ask why. Like I could show them that 2 plus 2 equals 4, right? But if they don't know why that works, if they don't have a picture to put it all together, it, it it's not going to be concrete. It's not going to make sense. Yeah. So that's, there's no real education yeah, otherwise. Right. It's just a memorization yeah. of something. Exactly. And I, I think that's where I was so lucky uh, meeting Ed early on in life because he was kind of that other part. I was I I knew why I connected to a picture. I knew how to write a funny joke. I knew how to you know make people laugh or whatever. But Ed fucking knew how to make that look good. He knew. He knew, uh, do you remember early on when, when we would hang out and do short films? I'd always ask you about like, oh, what's this like called or something? And yeah. He would, he would kind of like laugh at me and he'd be like, like oh, you don't know, bro. You don't, just, just do your job. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but he does give me the answer. So I know. And then like, I mean, now we're professionally yeah. making a picture. And so. also, I guess another like, like thing that I learned is uh, know your audience. That's as, oh, yeah. you know, we, you know, this is a genre movie, so it's naturally going to speak a lot to, you know, a specific set of people or an audience. So, and so we, one of the things when we were writing it, we were just kind of crafting it in a sense. So it delivers. We never kind of wanted to overreach and try to go into make it appeal to people who wouldn't really dig right. what we're doing. So right. that's a big thing right there. I see we're, that all the time with, you know, musicians, you know, movies yeah. where they try to reach for the broadest audience and they tend to alienate kind of like their key audience. Totally. And right. that's one thing right there that we really kind of, kind of like to, especially when we we're doing Grindhouse and those other things yeah. for impact as well. So yeah, we're just yeah. consciously offending people. Yeah, that's yeah. good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's your audience. Awesome guys. Thank you so much. We All appreciate right. Thank it. You, Blake. Thank you, sir.